What's up? Hope you're having a great day. We have an absolutely loaded show for you today. A lot of NFL. That's all we're talking today. All NFL, the entire podcast. Cannot wait to get into it. Here we go. Before we get started here, let me just first say happy birthday to my younger brother, Nate. Turning 19 today. Shout out to Nate. All right. Now let's really get into it. And this team I'm opening up here with, I talked about them last week on Thursday on the last podcast. It may have been Friday, Thursday or Friday, whenever the last podcast was. I talked about this team. Okay. This team is now seven and seven after their victory over the Jets on Sunday. The Detroit Lions are going to make the playoffs. Not only are they going to make the playoffs, they're going to go 10-7. and Okay, they're going to be the first team since the Cincinnati Bengals in 1970 to start 1-6 and and make the playoffs. Okay, this has been an absolutely historic turnaround. And look, we have to give props to Jared Goff, okay? Because at the end of the day, you're only as good... As your quarterback, okay? And he's been pretty good this year. I went pretty in-depth on his stats and his numbers that he's been putting up this year on last week's podcast, so feel free to go back and listen to that. If you want to hear just how good... If you want to hear just how good Jared Goff has been, because, spoiler alert, he's been better than any quarterback that has played for the Rams this year, which is pretty surprising, right? Because, like, when that trade happened, I mean, people just... Kind of gave up on Jared Goff. Like, oh, like he's going to go to Detroit and he's going to die. And he may not be out of the league within a few years, but he's going to be a backup here pretty soon. And now he's having a really good year. You know, like fifth and touchdown passes still, I believe. That's a really efficient Detroit Lions offense. He has played extremely well for that team and for that city this entire year. And that's going to continue because they have a very favorable schedule going forward. The rest of the way, here is who they're playing. They're going to Carolina to take on the five and nine Panthers. They're going to host the three and twelve or the three and eleven Chicago Bears, and then they're going to finish the year at Green Bay. Um, Those are three very winnable games against teams that will more than likely be playing for draft for draft positioning. Okay, like they're playing to have the best pick possible. Okay, so. You know, like the only game on there I think that really scares you would be probably the Green Bay game because it is Aaron Rodgers and it is a divisional matchup. And look, Aaron Rodgers kind of owns Detroit just like he owns Chicago. And it's on the road. It's in Green Bay. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. Like a lot of things just are probably aren't going to go Detroit's way that game. But they're going to be, you know, driven by hopefully obtaining a playoff spot. The Packers are going to be like, this is the last game of the year. I'm ready to go to Cancun on vacation. Maybe they mail it in. Maybe they don't. Maybe the Packers show up and they're really up for it. But of the three games, that's definitely the toughest. But all three of them are definitely winnable. Like if Detroit plays their absolute best on that Sunday at Lambeau and Green Bay plays their absolute best on that Sunday in Lambeau, Detroit should win because they're just a better football team than Green Bay. Man, I don't think I've ever said that in my entire life. I'm 23 years old. I don't think I've ever said those words before. The Detroit Lions are just a better team than the Green Bay Packers. That's insane. That's insane. Things change, though. Things change. Meanwhile, when we look at the three teams or the other three teams that are competing for these last two playoff spots in the NFC, we have the Seattle Seahawks, who are 7-7. Seven and seven. 
uh, the Washington Washington Commanders, who are seven six and one, and the New York Football Giants, who are eight and six. And of the three teams, the Lions, hands down, have the most favorable schedule. Okay, Seattle has to go to Kansas City. That's a loss. They have to play the Jets. That's not an easy game. And then they have to play the Rams. Okay? Washington has to go to San Francisco. That's a loss. They host Cleveland. And then they have to host Dallas. That's probably another loss. And then the Giants go to Minnesota, which I know we don't love Minnesota, but... Minnesota has the ability to put up 39 points in, you know, about a half's worth of football, which is pretty freaking impressive, if you ask me. So, and then on top of that, the Giants, they host the Colts. That should be a win. And then they go to Philly. That's probably a loss as well. Right, so looking at all these teams, Seattle's probably going to go 2-1. and one, Washington's going to go 1-2, and two, and the Giants are going to go 1-2. and two. If the Lions go 3-0, and oh, not only could they make the playoffs... They could grab the sixth seed, right, and not have to worry about playing, you know, the 49ers in in the first round of the playoffs. So here's the other thing, too. The Lions also have the tiebreaker over both the Commanders and the Giants. Ladies and gentlemen, the Detroit Lions are going to make the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Wild. Who would have thought that in 2016, I believe that that's the year Jared Goff was the number one overall pick by the Rams. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the next time that the Lions made the playoffs, Jared Goff, the number one overall pick from that year, would be their quarterback? Not me. Definitely not me. Um, Pretty wild. Just this Lions turnaround. Like I said, I did a really in-depth thing on them last week. If you want to go back and hear about the turnaround and how the defense has gotten better and how the offense has been awesome this year, so on and so forth, go back, check out that podcast from Thursday or Friday. I don't really feel like repeating myself. Just go back and and check that out. We're going to take a short break. We come back, we're going to talk about the Colts and the Vikings, just that whole debacle. I just, oof, that game was crazy. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. We're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And let me just start this Colts segment out by just cutting straight, straight to the point here. And that is that the Indianapolis Colts suck. And there's no other way to really put it. Okay, they pulled the plug on Frank Reich because the results weren't there. Yet the more I watch this team, the more it seems that the blame should fall on Chris Ballard. Okay, this might be the worst roster in the NFL. And the worst part is that there's no future. Okay, like when you look around the roster, there's three, maybe four guys you would hope to still be on this team in about five years from now. I mean, like outside of Quentin Nelson, Quiddy Pay, Alec Pierce, and maybe Jelani Woods, like who else has a bright future? Who else do you want to see on this team wearing a Colts jersey in five years? Darius Leonard, maybe, but he, you know, he just had back surgery. He's got some back problems. He's not going to be the same guy. Here in about five years, right? You know what they say, NFL, you you know what they say the NFL stands for? Not for long. Okay, the Colts are 0 for 4 when it comes to having cornerstone guys at the most important positions. Okay, quarterback, Matt Ryan, old and terrible. No other way to put it. Uh, When we look at left tackle, Bernard Raymond, or Raymond, however you say it, doesn't look great, okay? But then again, he's a rookie, okay? Maybe it's going to take him some time to adjust to the NFL and things like that. But right now, doesn't look great. Wide receiver, Alec Pierce, 
He looks okay. He doesn't look like he's going to be another one. It looks like they just drafted another Michael Pittman Jr., like a fringe one maybe, if you feel like being nice. And then finally, you got Pay, who looks like a good player. Like He's a good defensive end. He's a good edge rusher. But he's never going to be Nick Bosa. He's never going to be TJ Watt. Or any type of guy who can just take a, who can just take a game over for four plays. Who can come out onto the field, you know, have a, a tackle for loss, and then pressure the quarterback twice and force him into bad throws. He's ne- he's never going to be that guy, or at least it doesn't appear that he's ever going to be that guy. So, and like that's that's the thing. Like like when we look across this Colts lo- roster, it's a bunch of average to above-average players, right? And coaching can only do so much, right? At the the end of the day, you don't need above-average players. You need great players, okay? And Chris Ballard, who has been the Colts GM since 2016, so six years. In six years, Chris Ballard has drafted two great players. That's it. Only two. And if it was up to me, I would fire Chris Ballard. I would. Uh, He just hasn't done a very good job. And... The thing is, though, I wouldn't fire him because he hasn't drafted great. Because that's a really hard thing to do. It is so hard to draft players. It is incredibly difficult. It's one of the most difficult things to do in any business or any profession is to look at somebody and guess what their future is going to be. And then having to pay them an X amount of money, a very large sum of money, based off of whether or not you think they're going to be great or not. Because you could be very right, or you could be very wrong. It is an extremely difficult thing to do. And so I wouldn't fire Chris Ballard because he hasn't drafted well. Because at the end of the day, it's a crapshoot. Nobody knows what they're getting, okay? Like, we can make guesses based off of things that guys do in college. We can look at measurements. We can look at NFL combine stats and their 40-yard dash and how much they bench press. You You can look at all that. But at the end of the day, you don't know. And neither do I, and neither do any of these guys sitting in NFL front offices trying to tell you that they do. They don't know. Simple as that. But here's the thing. Just because you don't know doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Just because you don't know doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Let me let me run this by you, okay? Let me run this by you. Imagine you're at work, okay? Your boss comes into you and says... Hey, you're in charge of this business deal that is going to set up the future of this company for the next 5 to 10 to maybe even 15 years. This is a huge monumental opportunity for you. Okay, and it's a huge monumental moment for this company. This is the most important business deal we've ever done. Okay? That's a big deal. There's a lot of pressure. Now, imagine with me that instead of you preparing for this deal, you decided to work on other less important deals. And you're messing with these lesser deals of importance because they're just easier. Like this is just an easier thing for you to figure out. And so you completely ignore this huge deal that is absolutely vital to you and your company's success. Imagine that you worked on those other less important deals so much you didn't even show up to the biggest business deal of your company's life. You didn't even show up to the biggest business deal of your entire career. Do you do you know what would happen? You'd be fired immediately, and rightfully so, 
because you didn't even attempt to do the most important job. You didn't even attempt to do the job that you were assigned to do. And even if you had attempted to do the job, you would have been fine. Your job would have been safe because you have an impressive track record and you have a good reputation. This was the place Chris Ballard was in and really, quite frankly, still is in. Okay? Instead of addressing the most important position on the football field, he put it off by grabbing these aging veterans like Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and just all of these like guys to just kind of bridge the gap. He just continued to put it off so he could work on his precious offensive line that's terrible now. And he could work on this defense that outside of Darius Leonard, who's been hurt all year, doesn't have any playmakers that he drafted. Okay, like like I said, Quiddy Pay, good player, not great player. Stephon Gilmore, you went and signed him this offseason. Kenny Moore can't defend guys on the outside. He has to defend guys in the slot. So he's just he's put off the most important thing to work on these less important things. And that's an issue. Simple as that. Okay? And I just I, I don't understand it. Like, how could you not draft a quarterback after Andrew Luck retired? Okay, this has been an issue since 2019 when Andrew Luck left. Okay, you've had three years to draft a quarterback. That's multiple first-round picks, multiple second-round picks. And yet he's he's refused to do it. And, you know, like it's, you know, this, you know the old dumb Magic Johnson saying of like, you know, you miss every shot that you don't take or whatever, right? And like, of course you can't draft a franchise quarterback because he never even attempted to go and draft one. Okay, and it's just, it's so frustrating because he has just continued to string Colts fans along. Like, eventually we're going to do it. Or, oh no, Matt Ryan, this 38-year-old guy who's been, like, good in Atlanta, not great in Atlanta, just, like, pretty good, he's going to be the one to do it for us. He's going to be the one to take this below-average roster, excuse me, he's going to be the one to take this terrible roster over the top. Like, do you know how, like, that sounds dumb. You know how stupid that sounds? Hey, we're going to take this old aging guy and expect him to elevate all these guys who aren't that good. Like, that's an absurd standard to have for anybody. And then obviously Matt Ryan comes in, he falls off the cliff because he's not Tom Brady. And next thing you know, like, you're looking at probably a top five draft pick. And I swear, oh man, if Chris Ballard, I think he'll still be here. If Chris Ballard does not take a quarterback and he's got a top five, top six pick in the draft, oh my gosh, this city should riot. Simple as that. Because it's it's unacceptable that he hasn't drafted one up to this point, and if he doesn't do it this year, he should be fired immediately. If the first If the first round pick goes through, you know, and it is not... Will Levis or Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Hendon Hooker or, or whoever you think it should be, if it's not a quarterback, then Jim Irsay should fire him immediately. He should walk into the war room, fire him on the spot in front of everybody, and then promote whoever to to oversee the draft for for the rest of the night. It's it's unacceptable that he hasn't done it that he hasn't drafted a quarterback up up until this point, and that needs to change immediately. We're gonna take a short break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap it up here on Shooting the Schmitz. We're going to talk Jags and Titans and just the future scenarios of the AFC South. So 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Going to wrap it up here talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are the Jacks going to make the playoffs over the Titans? The Jags are currently 6-8 and eight after a pretty mir- miraculous win over the Cowboys. Trevor Lawrence moving the football down the field, about to take the lead with like two or three minutes left to go. He fumbles the ball. Cowboys pick it up. They go three and out. A minute and 23 seconds. One timeout. Trevor Lawrence marches the Jags down the field. They kick a field goal. We go to overtime. Dak Prescott, crazy pick six, ball game. Jags are six and eight and have a legit chance to make the playoffs. So, as I just said, Jags are six and eight. Titans are seven and seven. They play week 18. Okay, Jacksonville's already beaten the Titans once this year. Uh, Jacksonville has to beat the Jets and the Texans to have a chance to make it. Right, like to have that week 18 mean something, they have to beat the Jets and the Texans. Very winnable games. Both of them, uh, the Jets, I believe, are the Thursday night football game this week. And then the Texans are obviously next week. They should beat the Texans. Not not a big deal there. Not a big deal there. Um, And here's the thing, though. They can afford to lose to the Jets, potentially, if the Titans lose one of their two games these next two weeks against the Texans or the Cowboys, which is very possible, very possible that the Cowboys beat the Titans because the Titans have looked awful here recently. And, yeah, like, it's just crazy, right? How, like, people were so high on the Titans after they played really, really well against the Chiefs, and they've just dropped off a cliff. I mean, either way, we're looking at a winner-take-all game in Jacksonville Week 18. The winner wins the AFC South. The winner goes to the playoffs. And I cannot wait to see Trevor Lawrence in this environment. Trevor Lawrence has been good all year this year. Um, He'll really have a chance, though, to affirm people and their opinions of his potential when he came into the league that week. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think the Jags are going to do it. I think the Jags are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to win out. I think they're going to beat the Titans simply because they're going to have the best quarterback on the field. Doug Peterson as well. Like, give it up for him. He's just He's been really great for that team. And this just speaks to what, you know, I've been saying for a while when it comes to coaches and things like that, like hire an offensive-minded guy if you have a young quarterback, right? Because they just they make things so much easier on them. And very few guys, when they're 22, 23, 24 years old, have the talent to overcome bad coaching. And l- let me back up. They have the talent to overcome the bad coaching, but they lack the experience to really do so. And so having these offensive guys kind of coach and lead your young quarterback, I think is really important. And we're seeing that with Trevor Lawrence this year, like the improvement from last year to this year is huge. Now, part of that is he played an entire NFL season. Like he's used to the game speed. He knows the routine. Like that's part of it. But the other part of it is he has Doug Peterson coaching him and not urban Meyer. So that's a pretty monumental thing there. I'm really looking forward to that game. I've never thought I'd be so excited to watch two like eight and seven or seven and eight teams go at it. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Moving on, worst play in NFL history. Did it happen on Sunday? Wasn't the Patriots lateral? They got picked off by Chandler Jones and then walked into the end zone after driving Mac Jones' face into the dirt. Was that the worst play in NFL history? Or was it the Mark Sanchez butt fumble? Or was it the Indianapolis Colts fake we're going to go for it thing? where the punter like didn't really know what was going on, or the snapper didn't really know what was going on, and the next thing you know, they're snapping it, but they were trying to draw them off sides. You, you know what I'm talking about. 
Which of the three is it? I don't know. I'd, I'd be very interested to hear all of your opinions on it. Feel free to let me know your thoughts on Twitter, at jschmidt underscore four. Shoot me a tweet. Let, let me know what you think of those three plays, because it's got to be one of those three, right? It's got to be. Personally, I'm going to go with the Pats uh, lateral to lose the game. I don't, like, there are just some coaches that you don't expect to lose in dramatic fashion like that, and Bill Belichick is definitely at the top of that list. Like, I would never expect for Bill Belichick to lose on a play like that. Just because that's, I wouldn't call it simple coaching because there's a part of me that's like, they're probably like, oh, like, what's the worst that could happen? That. That is the worst that could happen. You know, you've got a receiver throwing it back across the field 20 yards behind him to Mac Jones, it looks like. Because, yeah, Mac Jones is going to turn on the Jets and outrun all these guys for a touchdown to win it. That's definitely going to happen. But, no, next thing you know, Chandler Jones snatches it out of the air, you know, sends Mac Jones into the depths of the earth, and then runs it in for six. Raiders win. Raiders are now 6-8. and eight. Not bad. Not bad. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'll be back again on Thursday with another podcast. Cam is coming on on Thursday, hopefully. Okay, Cam, I know you're listening. Text me, man. We're, we're setting this up. Let's meet up Wednesday night. Let's record it. I'm super excited to have him on, hopefully. It's going to be a really good one. That's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday. 